Okay, everybody, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. How many guys are excited to be at New Life today? Yeah? All right, I love that. I love that. Good, good. Hey, I want to say uh, really quick, I want to say hello to uh, everybody worshiping with us at our North Platte campus and all of those that are worshiping with us online, as well as all of our venues. And so thank you guys so much for coming and hanging out with us today. We are, um, we're continuing on in our current series. Uh, we just entitled it The Call the call, and it all started when uh, Jesus, he came along on the beach and he spoke to his disciples right off the bat and he called them and he said, hey guys, come follow me. And at that moment, they left their nets and they left, um, you know, all of their business um, or like, <clears throat> you know, other disciples, they, they left their tax collecting and they followed Jesus. But every single one of them had a moment where they were called come follow me. And now many times in Christianity, we've gone back to those moments and we've looked at those and we said, wow, what would it have been like to like stand there that day and have Jesus come and call your name, right? Wouldn't that have been just like incredible that he would have known you and he would have wanted you to follow him enough that he would come along and call your name. And then we've been baffled by like, well, what in the world? Like how did these guys give up everything and just start following him like it doesn't even make any sense it doesn't compute right but if you've been tracking with us during this series and if you haven't then please go to mynewlifechurch.com where you can watch some of our past sermons in this series right um, but that was that was like almost the easiest call of them all compared to the continued call that Jesus was going to demand of his followers along the way and the one that we're going to talk about today is by far the weightiest of them all. The weightiest of them all. So to get into it, have you guys ever had one of those moments where you were sitting around the house and um, you, you know you just you you just wanted like fresh baked cookies? Anybody have one of those moments? I mean, come on, come on. I mean, I mean that's like part of the American dream. All right, guys, is uh, to have fresh baked cookies. And I'm not talking about like just the smell of fresh baked cookies. Like some of you guys, like I came home one day and I thought I smelled fresh baked cookies only to discover my wife bought this new candle. That's a real letdown. <laughs> That's a real letdown. Okay. Like, so just get rid of those, get rid of those. Okay. Cause all they want you, all they do, they, they make your house smell good, but they just make you hungry for more cookies. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to add 10 pounds or more. Trust me. All right. So. Like, like, so there's been times when I've just wanted fresh baked cookies. And so you head off to the store because you don't have everything. And you, you, you got your little cart and you're pushing it around. Right? And, and you, you just don't want people to think that you're just there buying cookies. So you're picking up other things, trying to disguise the fact that you're really just there to buy the stuff to make cookies. And so here you are and you went there to get like $7 worth of stuff. And then you're checking out and it's like 70 You guys had those moments as well? Right, And so you get home and you're like, good, we're going to make these cookies. It's going to be incredible. And you start getting everything out. And then you know, all of a sudden you realize like you forgot one of the, the key ingredients. And you don't have eggs. Like, how did you do that? How, how did that happen? Like, what a letdown. What a letdown. So what do you do at a moment like that? You send your kid that can drive back to the store. That's what you do. You're like, get in the car, quick, get back there and get the eggs. Don't have an accident, but I'm tracking you. You got three minutes. All right, because I got to have these things. I got to have my cookie fix, right? Or maybe you have, has anybody ever shopped at a place like Ikea before? I know we don't have any in Nebraska. Do you guys even know what Ikea is? 
Okay, you do. All right. Okay, good. All right. But if you, you guys have ever maybe, let's, 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 let's change it around for a second, okay? Because we've all shopped at Walmart. Have you guys ever bought one of those, um, those like bookcases or a desk or anything else that's made out of particle board that might be sold at Walmart or Target? It comes in a box that's like three foot tall by like one foot wide and only about by like four inches deep, but it weighs like 800 pounds. You bought one of those? Right? And it's just a bookcase, and you're like, holy cow, like, why does this thing have to be this big? And you gotta have four people to get it out, and you put it in the back of your car, and your car goes, Rrrr. and you ride home, you know, like that, and it's like the steering's really light, because it's like 400 pound gorilla is in the trunk right now. And you don't even know how you're gonna get it out of the car into the house, because it took you and three other employees to get it into your car. But nevertheless, you do it somehow and you, you know, avoid the chiropractor and you get the thing into your house and you open up the box and it's almost like it's spring-loaded. Like you open it and like, poof, like stuff goes everywhere because they've tried to pack everything into this box. And then you start setting out the pieces, right, with the, like, the little sticker. Here's A, there's B, here's C, double C, uh, you know, and you, you, you start laying these things out and you got like triple Z and you know it's going to be a long one right? Because there's just a lot of parts. And then they've got like that bag that's, I don't know, like a small, I don't know, like a small child. It is just like a bag full of like all kinds of parts you've never seen before and screws. And then you start to like go through the instruction manual. And that's the reason why it's so heavy because the instruction manual is like, like peace and war or whatever that book is. Like it's big and you start on page... Sometimes they open them up into maps and you got to lay them out on your king size bed to try to follow it, right? And so you go stage one, stage two, but then all of a sudden it gets to this moment where you got to open up the bag. And so you, you open the bag up and, you know, it just kind of like explodes again and stuff goes everywhere only to find out true story, only to find out that the bag of goodies they gave you doesn't even go with the box. That happened to me one time. You gotta pack all this back into the box, it doesn't go. And you gotta get it all back to the store? Oh my word. It's so frustrating. It's frustrating when you're missing some pieces. It frustrates you, right? But you would never settle for only having parts. Just like I didn't, I had to get that thing all the way back to the store, get another one, and the whole time you're praying, God, please, please let the right little package of screws and stuff be the right one this time. Because it's so frustrating, like you would never just give part. So how do you think that God feels when we settle for only giving part of ourselves to him? Like if it's that frustrating to us when we miss the eggs and when the like little screws and little trinket items that they aren't in the box the way they ought to be, like we wouldn't settle for that. So how do you think God feels when we settle, when we are the ones who settle for only giving him part during this series, the call, man, we focused, our focus has been on the all-in, the all-in requirement that Jesus demands of his followers. And this week's all-in requirement is going to go to a brand new level for many of you. Today's, today's message, I'm going to give it with as much compassion and, you know, um, hope in my heart as possible. And I'm just going to tell you today, I'm going to take a heavy piece of the gospel and I'm going to lay it on your lap and it's going to be heavy. It's going to be heavy and you're going to have to wrestle with it yourself between you and the Lord. And I've been praying for you this week that God would, he would give you the grace to take the heaviness of this word right now 
and he would, in, that he would help you implement it into your life. Because it's one thing to have heard Jesus say, come follow me when you're standing on the beach and there isn't much that needs to like, be sacrificed. It, it really, I mean, you're going to walk with him and be with him. I mean, what kind of joy is that? It's incredible joy. To this moment where Jesus calls his disciples to a level of commitment and all in, it just blows their mind away. Mark 8, 34 through 37 says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. So before I even keep reading this, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the crowd to join those who have been intimate with him. That means he's speaking to you and me today to join him with those who have known what it means to walk alongside of him for a while. And he said to this crowd, like he says to you and me today, if any of you wants to be my follower, then you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and you must follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will definitely lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, then you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Like the call that Jesus is giving us today is this, to take up your cross and to deny yourself. And many people have used this very scripture completely out of context. Completely out of context. In fact, we've used it many times to define our suffering. Like, this is my cross and I have to bear it. Or this is my cross and I have to carry it. It could be like a strained relationship between you and a child or you and a neighbor or you and a boss or a spouse to spouse. And you might just say, well, this is my cross. You know, I just, I just got to carry it. Or maybe it's money problems, right? And you've been suffering and struggling with this debt or struggling to, you know, get, get over the hurdle of wherever you're at with your money problems. And you say to someone else, like, this is the cross. I, I just have to bear this cross and get through it. Or it could be an illness that you're facing. It's just a cross that I have to bear. And I just need to tell you today, you are 100% incorrect. There's nothing accurate about that statement at all. Zero. I mean, the, the first century Christians, they knew what the cross really meant. They knew what it meant when Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross. It had nothing to do with a burden to carry. The cross is an instrument of death. It's not just a burden to carry. And for you and for me to call the cross an instrument of suffering is way too mild. It doesn't even get close. The cross isn't an instrument of suffering. The cross is an instrument of death. The cross is brutal. I could only imagine if time travel, travel was actually something that could happen. And a first century Christian, boom, shows up at New Life in 2018, standing in the lobby, and hears somebody say to another one, just flippantly, like they don't intend anything by it, but just to say, yeah, you know, I got this big cross I got to carry, and you know, I got this like relationship with my boss, and it's just difficult. It's just something I just have to endure. I mean, they would like come unglued. What? That's not, what, that's not the cross. That's not what it means. But 2,000 years later, the cross has become a symbol, though, for us of hope. It's become a symbol of grace. It's become a symbol of salvation, and rightly so for us today. But during the days that Jesus walked the earth, which is when he made this statement in Mark, by the way. So you really want to understand this. Like you got to get yourself back into that moment. 
So during the days that Jesus walked the earth, to take up your cross would only mean one thing, church. One thing. Are you ready for it? To be willing to die for the cause of Christ. That's what it would have meant. It would have meant to be treated like a criminal. It would have meant to be ridiculed. It would have been meant, to, it, would, it would have mean to you to pay the ultimate price, you know, for what you believe. That's what it would have meant to take up your cross. It would have led to a place of death. And this is why in this passage, Jesus said to his followers, he said, look, this is what it's going to require. You're going to have to turn from your selfish ways if you're ever going to be able to pick up and take up the cross and follow me. Yeah, you're going to have to learn what it means to turn from those selfish ways. And here's what it means. It means that you have to deny yourself. Uh, you, 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 we, you and me, we have to learn to say no to certain things if we truly are going to be, be a Christian that takes up the cross. Because this is what Christianity is, by the way. This is what it is. Like many Christians or people or followers, they were following Jesus because they thought that he was the Messiah, he was going to be the king, he was going to take over the rulership of the country, and they were finally going to have their physical liberty. That's not who he was. And I think that there's a lot of Christians today that are following Jesus and they think they know who he is. But you don't know who he is. Because he's asking us to disown our selfish desires. He's asking us to refuse ourself. He's asking for extreme sacrifice so that we can be spiritually, and some Christians around the world are dealing with it physically. Thank the Lord it's not here in our country yet, but physically they're giving their life. Like they are literally denying self and taking up the cross, and they're following him. Jesus wasn't coming to his disciples and asking them to go on some kind of like spiritual diet, by the way. I mean, I go on a diet from like these cookies, like I got six hours in me. That's about it. Right. And then there's something inside of me that goes cooker, right? Like C is for cookie. Come on. Anybody Sesame Street people? All right. I mean, that was bad as a kid sitting there watching Sesame Street. That's drilled into me. That's why I keep going back to it. That's right. I got to go get counseling or something like that. You need some help from C is for cookie, right? So if Jesus wasn't asking his disciples to go on a diet. He was asking them for a life change. Not just for a while, but to make it a lifestyle. Guys, I got it. I, I feel it right now. I knew that right now this would be a moment where I just need to tell you, this is a hard message. Like, this is hard teaching. But Jesus is asking us to die to ourselves and to surrender to his cause today. That's what he's asking us to do. And if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, then we've got to take the call to the nth degree. Here's another perspective on the call of denying self and taking up his cross. It's found in Philippians 3. Listen to it. See how it speaks to you. Like, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Talking about earthly things, right? Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could do one thing. I could gain Christ. Like Paul was coming right alongside and echoing this call from Jesus. 
to deny self and to take up the cross. And Paul was saying that Jesus is worth the self-denial. He's worth the disowning of self. He's with the, he, he's worth the refusal of self. He's worth taking up the cross no matter where it, no matter where it leads. Why? He says a couple of things. It has an infinite, there's an infinite value of knowing Jesus. That's good. There's an infinite value. That means that there's this never ending, this endless, you know, revelation of Jesus. Where he goes, I mean, I can climb to the tallest mountain on this earth and I can achieve the greatest things on this earth. But they're not infinite compared to the infinite, you know, value of knowing Jesus. He puts value on that. Like that, that's really good. And then he comes back and he goes, let me tell you why it's worth denying self and taking up your cross so that I could gain Christ. He saw gaining Christ as something far beyond salvation, Far beyond like kneeling down at an altar or next to your bed or just in your heart during this service and saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you and I want to follow you all the days of my life. Like Paul saw it radically different than just that. Just like the disciples experienced the call radically different from, hey, just come follow me and leave your, leave your, your business to your father. To, you know what it means to follow me? Deny yourself and take up your cross. Like the disciples felt the call. We as Christians need to come to the revelation of the call, just like Paul did, because there's something to be gained, and that which is to be gained is Christ. Paul has this, I think, very positive approach. And I'm going to tell you today, I believe that that's essential if we're going to truly be people that deny self and take up the cross. Because I've seen some Christians that have learned what it means to say no to themselves and take up the cross, but they've got no joy. Zero joy. Like, they're the biggest stick in the mud ever. That's not what Jesus is calling us to be. He's not calling you just to use your personal abilities to say no to self so that you can say yes and take up the cross, just so that you can be some, you know, religious person that steals the joy out of what it means to follow Jesus. So this positive approach that Paul is bringing to us is essential because, church, the extreme opposite, the extreme opposite of what we've been talking about is a dangerous place to live. That when self-desire is allowed, is allowed to live, when Feeding self is what the Christian lives their life for. And feeding self grows to a maturity. Here's what it always leads to. It always leads to denying Christ. You're going to deny one of the two. You're either going to live your life denying yourself or you're going to live your life denying Christ. It's going to be one of those two things. And if if we don't learn what it means to deny self, then we will deny Christ And that's a dangerous place to be, especially when you read verses like Matthew chapter 10. But everyone who denies me, Jesus says, here on earth I will also deny before my Father in heaven. There's a choice that has to be made today. Who's going to be denied? Self or Christ? It's one or the other. There really is no middle ground. You're either drifting towards one or you're drifting towards the other. So obviously, it isn't what God wants for your life. He doesn't want to stand in heaven and go, look, you denied me on earth. I deny you in heaven. That's not the plan of God. It's not the plan of God at all. But the call of Christ is still very concrete. Deny self 
so that you can pick up and take up the cross. So here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't just ask his followers to do this very extreme call. One of the most extreme calls found in the Bible, by the way. Okay, so if you're like, wow, dude, this is seriously heavy, like back down. I have backed down multiple times, but I can't back down when I'm dealing with the most incredible call of them all in Scripture. And so neither does Jesus. So here's what Jesus does. He goes, I know this is going to be difficult, so I'm going to give you three reasons why you should deny yourself and why you should take up your cross. Like Jesus is the one who spoke them. We already read them. Maybe you heard them. Maybe you didn't. So I'm going to take you back to them. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. The first part of it says, if you... So this is to you and to me, all right? If you try to hang on to your life, then you will what? You're going to lose it. So reason number one why you should deny yourself and take up your cross, because if you try to hang on to this life, then you're going to lose it. He's making a very clear distinction between the physical life and the spiritual life. That's what he's trying to do here. And if we make living for the desires of the physical our priority, then we will lose the spiritual life of eternity with God. That's what I was talking about earlier. With that you're either going to deny yourself or you're going to deny Christ. So Jesus is challenging us to look beyond this life and to live for something much greater than just the 80 years or whatever it is that you're going to spend on this earth. You, your heart, you, you can't have your heart you know, like one foot of your heart, you know, for, for yourself and one foot of your heart for Christ. It's, it's either one or the other. Like we have to make a choice. See, like if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. You, you can't have half and half. It's all or it's nothing. That's the paradox of Christianity, by the way. The paradox of Christianity is lose to gain. Die to live. Be humbled to be exalted. That's the paradox of Christianity. Try to hang on to your life, you lose it. Give up your life, you gain it. So what's the very first reason? You try to hang on to your life, you're going to end up with nothing in the end. And that's not God's plan for your life. So what's the second reason that he gives us? It's found in the same verse, but just the second half. But if you, again... To us personally, if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, then you will save it. So the second reason, it deals with picking up your cross. It requires a changing of the leadership. The changing of the leadership of your life. He he drives it home. I know that passage just went away, but just bring it right back. Thank you. He drives it home and he says, you know, look, but if you give up your life for whose sake? Whose sake? Right here. My sake. And then he comes back and he says, oh, and for the sake of the gospel. Like there's a changing of the leadership that has to take place in our heart so that we can start living for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the good news. And to live for the sake of the good news requires purpose. It requires a real methodical process It requires discipline. Yes, it does. But it requires a purpose. That living like, like, here's a purpose, like living to communicate to the world that that God has sent his son to die on a cross so that all of humanity might know him as the personal Lord and Savior. Like that would be a purpose. So to live for the sake of the gospel means we have to live for the purpose of the gospel. 
But listen to me today. If you live for self, people die. But if you die to self, then people live. That's what he's talking about. If you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, not only are you saved, but others then get saved through you. That's the call to make disciples. So this isn't just narrow-minded about you and your life. Like the answer to this call is broad and it deals with you surrendering your life so that others can find life as well. And this is what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus lived for the sake of his father and he lived for the sake of the good news. And are you and me not experiencing the salvation from that? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And if it wasn't for that, then we would be nothing. But look what the cross, like Jesus had to go physically to the cross. And yes, that denying of self brought some extreme physical pain. But didn't his cross lead to a resurrection? So here's what I got. I got good news for you today. Deny yourself and take up your cross because your cross will always lead to a resurrection. Your cross will always lead to life. Your life will be saved if you live for the sake of, the, of, of Christ and you live for the sake of the gospel. It will always lead to a resurrection. You'll, experiencing, you'll experience miniature resurrections on this earth of the good news of Jesus being you know, distributed in your life. But ultimately, you'll experience the ultimate resurrection, which is to be raised again from this world or from the grave to be in eternity with Christ in heaven. That's good news. That's why we should deny ourselves and take up the cross. The third reason that Jesus gave us was in verse 36 and 37. He goes, look, deny yourself and take up your cross because of this reason. And what do you benefit if you, again, if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Like the last reason to take up your cross and deny yourself is the value of your soul. And the creator has put an extreme value on your soul, and it's priceless to him. I told you weeks ago, it'd be like my mom. You know, my mom still has my artwork as a child. My artwork, my artwork is priceless to her. Just like you are priceless to God. And we, we need to come to this point where we need, we need to receive the words of Jesus today with like this serious contemplation that your, your soul has value to it, and that nothing is more valuable than your soul. But here's what we do. We're living our life today to chase the value of our human dream for our human satisfaction. Some of you, just like others, people have achieved greatness in work only to find emptiness in it. Musicians have filled stadiums only to find emptiness in it. Athletes have achieved what seems to be the impossible only to find emptiness in it. Students have gained and graduated with a PhD only to find emptiness in it. Like you can gain the whole world and still lose your soul today. So what is Jesus calling us to do in this passage? He's calling you to change the dream. To change the dream from some human dream to a spirit-driven dream. From a human dream to a denying of self and taking up the cross dream. That's obedience to God, and that comes with surrender to the cause of Christ. Jesus is asking us to share in his dream today. 
Let me just tell you today, as we start to wrap this message up, to share in his dream. There's like, what is his dream? What, what was his dream? What's he still living it out? What's, what is his dream? And one of the greatest ways to remember the dream that Jesus was living for is to take communion. When we take communion together, which you should have received in all of our venues, you should have received communion when you came in the door, okay? And if you didn't, here in a minute, our, our, our uh, campus pastors, they will offer you communion again if you, if you didn't get it, and our host will give it out to you. But just not yet, guys. Just not yet. Just hold for a moment. Because when we take communion, we're reminded of the mission of Jesus to deny himself and to take up his cross. And we're reminded of the fact, here we are post the cross, that the cross always leads to resurrection. It always leads to life. So I want to read to you this passage out of 1 Corinthians about communion. And I want to help you see what, how communion points us back to this call to deny self and to take up the cross. Take a listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, please, please just read along with me um, quietly or out loud, however you want to do it. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of the wine after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. First off, talking about the call, deny yourself and to take up your cross. He said in verse 26, For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. You're remembering the cross that Jesus carried. And as you remember the cross that Jesus carried, as we take communion in a minute, not only do I want you to remember the cross that he carried, but I want you to be encouraged to take up your own cross and follow his example. Here's the reason why I say that to you. Who ate first and who drank first? Who did it? Jesus did. Jesus is the one who drank from the cup and then he passed it to his followers and he said, here, you guys drink now. He's the first one who broke the bread and ate a little bit and then passed it and said, now you guys eat now. It was him. He was the example. He was the one who was the go before. And if he did that in communion, he will do it in your life. His cross is one worth you picking up yours and following after him. But then he says these words, examine yourself though. Examine yourself. Like what is it that you should be examining before we take communion together here in just a minute? It'd be this. Am I doing everything that I can do to make sure that the mission of Jesus is being proclaimed to the lost? That's what you should be examining. Secondly, am I taking up my cross and am I actually following Jesus? Or am I letting Jesus take up his cross and I'm just going to live in the shadow of his cross? 
And thirdly, we should be examining ourselves and asking this question, am I living to deny myself? Those are the three places that we should be looking to examine ourselves. So to to sum it up, listen to this statement. When you remember Jesus, people live. But when you forget about Jesus, people die. When we remember Jesus in this moment of communion, then we remember the fact that we're supposed to deny ourselves like he did, and we're supposed to pick up our cross like he did, and when we do that, people live. That when we forget Jesus, in a moment like this, then we don't walk out denying self and picking up the cross, therefore, people die. So what is communion? Communion is a moment to recalibrate your spiritual walk with Christ. And it's not something that has to be done on a Sunday morning. It's something that should be more readily done in a life group. It should be done around a, around a dinner table or in a, at a family gathering. Or it should be done when two families from the church get together. As often as you do this, you don't have to do it every week, but as often as you choose to do it. But it should never be done alone. It should always be done with others. And it's an act of recalibrating our spiritual walk, coming back to what it really means to deny self and what it really means to take up the cross. So after I pray, our campus pastors are going to come and they're going to lead us in communion. And at New Life Church, no matter where you're at, you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion with us. You just have to be somebody who is willing to say, Lord, by your strength, will you help me to deny myself and to pick up your cross and to follow you for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the good news? It's about relationship with God, not about membership at our church. As I pray, I would invite you just to stay seated for a minute, okay, and to confess your sins to the Lord while I pray. But also, beyond that, commit yourself to taking up your cross and denying yourself to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, your word is like a meal to us today. Some meals are weighty and heavy, like this one today. It requires quite a bit of chewing. It requires quite a bit to digest. Like it's, it's in some ways easy to hear, but one of the most difficult things to ever live out. We said yes to you, many in this room who decided to follow you as Lord and Savior. We said yes, and we left the boat, just like the disciples left the boat. But here we stand today at one of the most difficult passages of Scripture to deny self and take up the cross. And you're calling us to do that if we want to follow you. Lord, help us. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to look past our failures and to call upon your Spirit one more time. Help us to get beyond the lie that, that, that this call is impossible. Help us to get beyond our own human desires, which would be to water down this passage. To water it down and to, to, to like dilute it down to something that's more palatable for us. God, may we not do that today. May we not dilute your word down to something that's palatable for us, but may we just embrace it for what it is and to cry out to your spirit today to lead us and to give us the strength to accomplish it. And as we take communion, may we be reminded, Lord, going to the cross was not easy for you either. It was strenuous in the garden, but you, you said no to self and you took up your cross anyways and it led to a resurrection. 
And may we have the same faith to believe that if we say no to self and we take up your cross, it will always lead to life. Help us to see that. Help us to embrace that today. Help us to walk in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.